0: So did you watch that Kanye the video? What was that? Like a rally or something?
1: You know like a presidential
0: (laughs) rally or something?
1: So to be honest, I just caught a clip of it on the shade room and after about ten seconds into it, I was like, Lord. Here's some prayers for Kanye, and then I scrolled on because that man finds himself in the news spotlight <laughs> a lot, and I was just like, "Okay, Kanye."
0: Yeah, it was definitely like a rally because you know he's running for president. I don't know if he's actually running. I don't know I how say, many I heard states that it he's was actually.
1: Or something because somebody you know, attributed he's still, to mental health.
0: He's still trying to get his name. On different ballots in different states. So don't I mean, kill we me know. Knowing
1: this, but like, it's not
0: too late to. Different states have different deadlines, so um. some states haven't met their deadline yet. I mean, we, you know, I don't think anybody's really tripping, but I say that with caution because that's what we said about forty-five, right. and now look at him. But yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people. Are kind of dogging him for what he said, and like, yeah, what he said about Harriet Tubman, like, don't ever come for Harriet Tubman. Yeah, like, yeah. we protect Harriet Tubman Kanye, at all costs. Don't ever do that, ever. Can't but mess with the saints of blackness, okay? listen, okay? She is the ancestor. She's the president <laughs> of the ancestor club. So leave her alone. Um, but I, at the same time, though, I think it's really important for people to remember that Kanye has been struggling with his mental health for so long. And I don't time. think everybody around him knows exactly what to do. Like nobody ever knows exactly what to do. Right. And the only person that can be responsible for Kanye's mental health support is Kanye. You Kanye know, gotta
1: love Kanye
0: like Kanye love Kanye. Liter- <laughs> 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 but literally, like, because everybody's like, "Ken, get your man! Like, come on, get- come get him! Why you let him do this?" Like, I can't even imagine. I don't even like the Kardashians.
1: Yeah, I don't either. And in full transparency, like what we were talking about a little bit earlier, like, I was one of those people that was like, but she need to go get him. Mm -hmm. And why is she letting him do this? And, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's like,
0: we can't make her responsible for it. Like, I want to be like, girl, get him. Like, stop everything else and, and help him. But, like, maybe she has. Right. And maybe, maybe that's she what tried. she's doing. And maybe the fact that we didn't see her on in, in that video in shade Room was her helping him by taking herself out of the, the spotlight meds. or the equation. Like, I don't know. I can't even imagine. But it has to be hard to have that, like, talk with Kanye. Like, yo, you're not taking care of yourself. Like, you're off your meds. Yeah, like, I mean,
1: I definitely have people in my personal life that, are going through similar situations and it is, it's is—it's very hard to watch somebody that you know and care about and love kind of go through these phases of like these manic phases and mm-hmm. into depression and things like that and feel like I don't know what to do or say to help you snap out of it mm-hmm. you know but I also know that this is something that you have to take ownership over like it's your journey it's not my journey right. to, to go through for you
0: And, of course, like, we haven't seen the entire evolution of Kanye's mental health, Like, We we really don't know all of it. We know some of it. And, you know, I was thinking, like, what if this phase that Kanye's in, even if it's it's manic right now, like, even if it is, what if this is, like, the good side? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, what if the people around him are, like, Okay, yeah, he's been a president, and like, yeah, he's saying some crazy stuff, but like, at least he's not doing X, Y, and Z, right? Like, at least, at least
1: he's not, yeah.
0: So, like, because we don't know all of it, this might be, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. The fact that he's ambitious and going for something, getting out of the bed. Like, what if for so long he wasn't even getting out of the bed in the morning? And now, like, yeah, what he's doing is, like, embarrassing to, like, everybody. But, but he's doing something.
1: He is doing something. More than a lot of people.
0: (laughs) So, while I would never vote for him, and I really think that, like, if you want to support the community, first learn about what the community needs. Educate yourself. You know, stop, stop talking crazy. You know, and I say that very loosely, loosely. But... You know just stop talking and just start learning if that's what you want to do right listen um,
1: listen to like so listen a I'm lot a big music head like literally I think in my former life I was either a music producer or manager <laughs> manager something like that but like I miss the old Kanye I miss yeah. the Kanye that rapped about what it was like growing up in Chicago why he fell in love with the city of Chicago I miss the Kanye that talked about stuff that we could relate to like being a black woman and being so insecure in who you were just because of what the world sees you as like I miss that and again you're an artist you have a right to change your style up however you want to you know that's your creativity but it's like I miss that Kanye I can't even lie like
0: yeah but I'm praying for Kanye, man. Me too. I'm supporting him from a distance. You know, I really think somebody should take that microphone out of his hand. And, you know, maybe put him in a studio and let him just make some music. Let him figure out another way to express his ambition. Because running for president ain't it. But it's
1: not. I mean, the man is... But I'm
0: rooting for him. Talented. Not for president, but for... Just well-being. Because I'm rooting for everybody black. <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Episode numero six Yes, episode six. <laughs> yes, this is amazing. I think each and every week
1: it's just
0: amazing.
1: It's the yes. same feeling every week.
0: Like it gets better. It, it only keeps it getting better. So,
1: what's up? I'm Lola Love,
0: and I'm poet Julian Hainsworth and we are atypical, atypical social workers. workers. Thank you for tuning into episode six. We out <laughs> you. <laughs> so what you got for me fear of
1: talking about difficult conversations and some of our recent or non-recent experiences so how do you normally react when you know that you have to have a difficult conversation whether it catches you off guard or whether you like preparing for it all day like what are some of the ways in which your body just naturally like reacts to that
0: Mm, i guess it depends on what who I'm having the conversation with. Okay. You know, there are some people that even if I have to have a difficult conversation, I'm like, "All right, it's all right. It's cool. We just going to get through this. It's fine." And there are other people where I'm like, I have anxiety and I can't sleep and I'm like, "How am I going to approach this?" Mm. But I um I always write my points, like bullet points of okay. what I want to say because I find that getting it out before I say it helps relax my muscles and, like, makes me feel a little less tense about what I need to say. Um, but I don't really, like, if somebody approaches me and I'm not really expecting it and it's a really difficult conversation that they are initiating with me, Mm -hmm. I almost instantly put up a guard and I have to, in the moment, pull that back down, like, hold up. People like need to be able to check natural. me too. People yeah. need to be able to, you know, bring things up with me too.
1: <laughs> so I feel like I have definitely evolved, or at least mm-hmm. I, I like to think that I've evolved. If you know me in real life and you're listening, please let me know if I've evolved. <laughs> um, but not like in full transparency. Like I definitely, in my like teenage years and stuff, not proud of it. But I was I was a firecracker. So like. It's not that I, I live for difficult conversations, but like it was kinda like if I had to have one, it was like I was preparing for war. Cause number one, you. I was going to win the argument. Like <laughs> it wasn't even a question. I had bullets, I had factual information, I did research. I was gonna win that conversation, period. <laughs> um, and as I've gotten older I've realized that it's it's not having a difficult conversation is not about who wins and who loses from mm-hmm. the conversation, but both parties or multiple parties, however many people are involved, should definitely seek to take away some form of growth from the conversation. Um, But I think my physical reaction is like, it's normal. Like, I get get butterflies in my stomach. Um, My hands might get, like, a little bit sweaty. Mm -hmm. Um, In the moment, I definitely have a tendency to, depending on who I'm talking to, I might fixate on, like, a certain point. Like, I might focus on a spot on the wall or, like, look past you versus, Mm -hmm. like, looking at you um, just so I don't get nervous about what I am trying to say Mm -hmm. Um, I guess if somebody was approaching me with a difficult conversation I know that my physical reaction is definitely to get like I can feel my face getting hot Mm -hmm. because I'm like whoa where did that come from like I just be minding my business Mm -hmm. and that just came out of nowhere so
0: yeah I mean yeah But I also like remind myself because I have to remind myself when I'm doing this too. I feel like sometimes we have the difficult conversation in our head, but we play out both sides of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we are prepared for the conversation to go in one direction and it's not the direction it's going in. Sometimes in your head, a very simple conversation is going to turn into an argument. So then when you approach it, it's like you ready because in your head you you already know the way it went but then when you talk to the person and they're like oh oh I'm so sorry or oh I get what you're saying or you know they give you the same energy in return it's like oh okay I was all hyped up for nothing like (laughs)
1: right now I can go about my day everything's better sunshine rainbows Um, I feel like nine
0: times out of ten is not as bad as as you perceive you perceive it while you're like mentally preparing for it
1: Do you feel like it's more difficult to have a conversation or a difficult conversation with a professional, like a colleague or Mm -hmm. a supervisor, or with somebody from your family or friends group?
0: I think my personal life. I think having difficult conversations with people that I actually like, love and care about and would feel like I'm missing something if they were not in my life. That's harder for me Mm -hmm. Um, now that I'm in my new job that I love. (laughs) Like the people that I work with, most of them, I already know. Mm -hmm. So it's like I already have some sort of a relationship with them. And I haven't had to have any difficult conversations, but I feel like it'll be pretty easy to approach those conversations. But like with my family you know it's different mm-hmm. it's just different um, when you're having difficult conversations at work there's a level of professionalism that your supervisor or whoever you're having the conversation with has to meet you with
1: yeah you just But your family that line.
0: <laughs> you don't know what's about to be said you don't yeah. know what's about to happen um, and also just the idea of or the risk of hurting your family you know, our family, they take what we say a lot more personally right. than our peers at work. So, you don't want to hurt anybody, but, like, you want things to change or improve. So, its I think it's a lot harder with family and friends.
1: I, w- I would definitely agree with you. Like, I feel like, and maybe this is mad cutthroat, but... At work, I'm not trying to be your friend anyway. Right, as
0: per my last email.
1: <laughs> I am not trying to be your friend. Like, granted, I have worked in places and developed friendships with people in those spaces. But for the most part, I'm there to do a very specific job. And if you are standing in the way of me doing that job, then we are going to have this conversation. And however it plays out is how it plays out. Um, I do feel like there has been times in my professional life where I'm like... Darn, I guess I do wish I was that person that went to work and created these life sustaining friendships sometimes, but most times I'm just like, eh. I just want to get my work done and go home and mind my business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but with friends and family, I feel like that—that's the the thing that you just can't be careless about. Yeah. Because unless you're absolutely trying to like dead a person after that conversation you know that you can't go into difficult conversations with friends and family with that same energy like you have to know at least for me i try to be aware of no matter how angry i get i know that there's like a certain point that i can't hit below yeah and so there's like certain things that no you matter how say. Bad i get i'm just not going to say it right and Usually, I'm the person that if I have a rough conversation, especially with my siblings, I have two brothers, I'm the one that's apologizing. Like, I'm the one that after a few hours, I'm like, okay, well, I reflected on our conversation and I could see where you were coming from, but I also hope you could see where I was coming from. But just know that I love you. Mm -hmm. And I find like it's important to do that because the older I get, I cherish the fact that. the most part i have a very close-knit family Mm -hmm. and not just like my immediate family but just even my extended family like my cousins my aunts and stuff like that and i grew up in a family that we always debate and talk about difficult things in general like literally every single holiday we are having a debate about something and it kind of is what makes our family our family but the thing that i love about it is we can have the most awkward or difficult conversation be pissed off walk away for a minute. But then if I see my cousin the next day or a couple days later, it's all love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely value being able to mend the relationships with my personal group um, mm-hmm. after having a difficult conversation.
0: See, but also like how I am as a person is... I won't say that I just like move on from people because that's not ever the case. But I also... I will only let myself go so hard at understanding or someone or trying to get them to understand me. Well, maybe not understanding them, but definitely trying to get them to understand where I'm coming from. Um, and that's with anybody. That's with friends, family, co-workers. I feel like I spent so much time in my life trying to be understood and trying to get people to feel where I'm coming from and like, read past my words and see my intentions, see my heart, you know and as I got older, I'm like, you know what I'm just going to try to be the best version of myself and that's just it because I would drive myself crazy trying to walk on eggshells for everybody and then trying to hold up a relationship you know, alone or unbalanced so I think that's another thing that makes conversations less difficult for me to have is because I'm always going to love you. Always. If you're my family, you're my friend, I will always love you. The secrets you tell me will always be secrets. There will be no bad blood between us. But if we get to the point where it's like, okay, we are growing apart. We are going in different directions or... You know, I really don't feel seen or heard in the, the relationship, whatever the re- relationship may be. I'm just like, okay, well, you know, thank you for playing. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm going to go now. <laughs> like, I love you. Call me if you need me, but I'm going to go home now, you know? So it's like...
1: And it's interesting because I guess in terms of, like, personal relationships, if and when it came to romantic relationships... I definitely, um, and I don't know if this is a great thing, and this might just be putting me out there, but unfortunately, I have cultivated the ability to have very um business-minded conversations <laughs> on the relationship front. I can see that. Yeah, my cutoff game is strong
0: when it comes yeah. to that. Like It has to be.
1: it You have
0: to protect your energy. Yeah, (laughs) you have to.
1: Kind of like what you said. Like, there's only so far you're willing to go to explain yourself or express what it is that you're trying to convey before you just like, all right. I mean, it is. It's not meant
0: to be. Like, you're not meant to understand. I'm maybe I'm not verbalizing well, but it is what it is. Yeah.
1: Thank God for uh, being able to block people.
0: (laughs) Yes. And honestly, I feel like. Maybe conversations wouldn't be as difficult if culturally we weren't as easily offended. Yes. Like, if we as a people were not so offended and defensive, it would be so easy to have... Like, difficult conversations wouldn't be difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. They'd just be regular conversations. Like we don't have difficult conversations don't always equate to arguments right so i think that's another thing we have to remind ourselves like listen you can have a difficult conversation and move on and it's never an issue again it doesn't have to be this like big tense production of emotions and fear (laughs) that's a fact So, in other, news, in other news, we can't really seem to get away from having difficult conversations. Yeah, I mean, professionally I think or
1: personally. a normal part of life.
0: Yeah, like in every part of life, we have, to, we have to have them. And I think it's important to understand that you are going to have these hard conversations. You absolutely
1: are. Like, the way that you breathe air, you will absolutely have a difficult conversation. Right.
0: So... Knowing that our listeners are going to have difficult conversations. They might have one today. They might have one right after listening to this podcast. What are some tips that you could give me and everybody that's listening for how to approach going into difficult conversations?
1: So I would say the period of my professional life that required the most difficult conversations was when I was um, in a supervisory role um, prior to the most recent job that I had and i supervised about 80 staff and so with that came a lot of good times but also came a lot of shenanigans Mm -hmm. and i had to fire a lot of people a lot (laughs) so i really believe that that period of my time i honed in on how to have difficult conversations at least from a professional standpoint so i think the things that were go-to for me like first and foremost um considering the environment and how I approach myself or how I approach the situation. So I always felt like it was necessary to have seats available because I believe in power differentials, even from like a, a visible standpoint. So mm-hmm. if, when you're having a difficult conversation, you don't want to be the one standing and have the person you're talking to sitting down or vice versa because right. it can create a very awkward dynamic, yeah. I think, right from the beginning.
0: When I was working in court, if I had to talk to kids, I always made it a point to kneel down to their height. Right. Because that visual, like standing over them, is uncomfortable. And it creates a power dynamic that if you need to have a productive conversation, you might need to eliminate. Right. Yeah.
1: And then another thing for me, I tend to, especially when I'm trying to think, I tend to talk with my hands and I had to learn how to really tone that down because depending on who you're talking to and the nature of the conversation, that can be seen as a very sort of like aggressive gesture. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't mean it to be aggressive, it can feel like that. It can feel like why are you like launching your hands towards me or why are you doing this or doing that? Or why are you like shaking your head or you know, those sorts of things. So I had to be very mindful of my movements and things like that during those conversations. And then i will also say making sure also that the time of day is appropriate
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: i had staff that worked in the morning the afternoon and on overnights if i had to have a difficult conversation with an overnight staff no i wasn't about to call them at midnight and say so we need to have this conversation Mm -hmm. or i'm about to come see you right now at midnight nope we're gonna schedule a set of time during the day like midday preferably where you might be at your peak in terms of like your attention span. I'm at my peak. You know, mm-hmm. it's not super early to where if you just got off an of overnight, you might already be agitated. Um, or I'm not a morning person, so I might naturally be agitated, but those things were important from like the I guess the physical nuances of it. Mm-hmm. And then also I think tone is very important too. Yeah. Um you definitely, definitely want to be mindful of your tone because to be Too loud or, you know, too loud can be aggressive. And too low pitch can seem very passive, almost like, what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. So, um, And then I guess from just like a strategic standpoint, definitely being straightforward about the issue. Like knowing what issue you want to discuss. Uh Uh-huh. And basically how to go forward with that issue. So having the facts on hand mm-hmm. and removing your emotions from that because we all have emotional opinions about a situation, mm-hmm. but if we can remove our emotions from that and just be very fact-based, then it's kind of like you can't debate facts when it's fact. You just lay out a timeline. Yeah. Um and I had unfortunately I had to I did not enjoy firing people like I promised I didn't but by far my coworkers would always say that they were surprised that for as many people that I had to fire or write up at periods of time during my career that they I never had any like negative backlash like nobody was like oh I hate Lola because she's a jerk and this that and the third not for the most part they understood why we were where we were
0: Gotcha. So I guess for me, some things that I have to remember going into a difficult conversation. um, I can see, I can like come off as seemingly very nonchalant sometimes. Um, Especially sometimes when people are talking to me. And I'm a really good listener. I can regurgitate almost everything anybody has said to me. And I can tell you. How they felt when they said it i can tell you what their body language was telling me when they said it uh, but i like to i process while i'm hearing so sometimes to process i kind of i might glance off or you know it seems like i'm thinking and listening because i am i'm listening to what you're saying and i'm processing what you're telling me um coming from the field that i'm coming from there was a lot of like making really fast decisions So I have to understand a lot about a person in a short amount of time and then make a decision that's going to be safe for them, especially with clients who have a high lethality risk. Mm. Um, So some of those skills or some of the ways that we had to quickly hear and process information, I kind of have unknowingly adapted to like just life so sometimes people are talking to me and I just seem very nonchalant so that's something that I try to be mindful of when having a difficult conversation because I don't want it to seem like I don't care about the conversation because in actuality I care so much that I'm literally breaking down every word you're telling me (laughs) like in order to understand it
1: because even once that conversation so you can like come super prepared to have a difficult conversation And, but the thing that you can never predict is how that person is going to respond to what it is that you're saying. And I have been in situations where I perceived a situation with an employee to be one thing. And then as we're talking and they're telling me all these other factors that led up to this one thing. It's different. I'm starting to now rethink my decision. I'm starting to rethink what I felt the outcome of the conversation was going to be from like a employment standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's okay to go in with a particular thought in mind or a stance and Mm -hmm. then have to maybe back down from that if you're getting more information that you didn't necessarily have in the beginning. Yeah.
0: Another thing that I have practiced and worked on is um, mastering the revisit. You know, sometimes just because you have prepared to have a conversation and just because that conversation is happening does not mean that conversation has to end in that moment. It doesn't mean that you have to walk away with a solution. Sometimes it's smart to get both people or both parties at the table and have everybody just express themselves and then come back with a more goal-oriented mindset because you can't always get all the feelings, all the emotions, all the frustrations out on the table and then instantly come up with a solution it's just not logical to always do that. So, um I've really worked on being like, okay, let's let's walk away and really think about what we just said and let's come back to this conversation and kind of look at it again with a new lens. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's really smart. And then lastly, um just being really mindful of not saying things to people that I would not be okay with them saying to me right. and not saying it in a way that I would not be okay with it's always being a approach. respect factor. It's a huge respect factor. I am so 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 huge on respect. Um and I mean it could also be like a a hood thing like you know, sometimes all you got is like respect. It is respect that's all but... you have and I I know for some people like it sounds funny but it's true like sometimes that's really all you have is your character. And your word and your respect and those are three things your character your word your respect that I try not to ever compromise so when I'm approaching people I try to constantly think even during the conversation while I'm processing how can I respond to this in a way if it even warrants a response because everything does not warrant a response some things you have to take hear, understand and not respond to yeah you gotta Um, be okay
1: with silence sometimes you
0: have to but if it does warrant a response how can i respond in a way that i would be cool with because i know that character my word and my respect is important to me so i have to treat everybody as if those three qualities are what's most important to them as well
1: i will also like i know i'm talking a lot from like a supervisor standpoint but some of you may be social work supervisors or just supervisors in general with whatever you do. Uh, you might be an older sibling that is a supervisory job um, as <laughs> well. So, but from the standpoint of sometimes the trajectory of the difficult conversation is honestly happening way before the conversation happens. So, like, especially in leadership roles, you have to be a leader that leads by example. So, for instance, I can't be a supervisor that is always late to work, and then a week later try and have a conversation with an employee who was late to work. That literally doesn't make sense. And the first thing that that employee is going to do to set me off is to bring up the fact that I was late, also. So you have to be comfortable with like owning your own flaws as well. And in some difficult conversations, it may require you to bring up those flaws and be honest about those things Mm -hmm. but then also don't be afraid to role play conversations like I used to do that a lot actually like if I had to talk to somebody and I was nervous about the context of what we were talking about I might say to someone who's close to me like hey can you just can we just role play this really fast so I can make sure that I'm saying it right so that I'm expressing myself the way that I want to come across versus the way that I thought I was coming across so don't be afraid to role play Mm -hmm.
0: And I mean, sometimes you could just straight up ask people, how would you tell me that I'm going to get fired if I kept coming to work late, you know? Sometimes you just really have to put people in that situation. Um, another thing that I, I do for a living is I, I teach. And but I'm teaching a large group at once, sometimes if one of my students, and most of my students are teenagers, um, if they start to like get a little disruptive... I have to put them in my shoes and I say you know what okay how about you come up and facilitate this activity or you know like I, I give them a task give them a role and I think sometimes people just don't understand what it feels like to have to be the person to bring up the conversation Right. so sometimes you can even say like okay you can t- say what you need to say and then ask them so in the future if I had to say that to you again How could I say it to you in a way that'll make it an easier pill to swallow? You know, like you can ask people, let them evaluate your approach. Um, Of course, there are going to be people who are going to be bitter and be like, I wouldn't have said it in the first place, you know. But you know what you have to do for your role. You know the conversations you have to have. But allow people to help you grow It's ever evolving having these conversations um the conversations aren't always new but the people we're having them with are new absolutely so you're constantly learning yourself and learning the people that you're talking to so
1: yeah so pay attention to the skills that you develop along the way because just like you know Jill just said the players may change but Mm -hmm. the script is still
0: the same the game don't change (laughs) (laughs) the players change but the game does not so and like again like you can practice you can practice how to have conversations you can write yourself notes right I know some people when they're anxious they might forget what they wanted to say or like they draw a blank so like take notes keep bullet points follow up the conversation with an email if that's what you need to do um again it's okay to have to walk away and revisit the conversation. But at the end of the day, you just want to make sure that you're being productive. And yeah, that definitely. the goal of the conversation is to make something better, make yourself better or make a relationship better. Yes. Um, and if that's not the goal, if you're really just trying to argue, just don't waste your time. Yeah, don't waste anybody so else's either. Like, have,
1: really have an objective to what it is that you want to see as an outcome to that conversation and specifically so outside of a professional context especially when you're having difficult conversations with friends or loved ones or people that are close to you in a non-work related way you definitely want to make sure that you preserve the relationship like if that's a relationship that you value then you have to make sure that one the conversation that you're trying to embark upon is worth the turmoil it might cost in that relationship and if you feel like it's not worth it then maybe it's not such a big deal that needs to be talked about in that moment maybe it's something that you need to self reflect on and then realize I think I just made this a big thing versus mm-hmm. it actually being a big thing but maybe it's a conversation you need to have and so if you need to have it have it because also mm-hmm. not having difficult conversations can absolutely ruin a relationship Yeah. because you just kind of start to tiptoe around the person that's yeah. also not helpful
0: yeah have the relationship i mean have the conversation at an appropriate time too like like lola was saying earlier sometimes when like my mom knows i'm upset about something even if it's not anything to do with her like let's just say she knows that i got into it with my sisters i also have two i have two um older sisters who are twins so that's just hard like (laughs) i grew up in a house with two sisters who are twins and I was just the youngest, the one without a, an other, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are times where she knows that we're arguing, and she'll be like, Joe, you need to talk to your sisters. And I just play, I'm not ready. And she knows, for me, if I'm angry, I am not going to have a productive conversation. Um... If I feel slighted, if I feel like I need to defend myself, the conversation's not going to end with hugs or a handshake. It's just not. Um, And I know that about myself. Like, I know. And I'm still growing. But I'll say, like, I'm not ready yet. It's not a good time. I have to wait. I need to process longer. Or I need to, you know, bring myself back down for a little bit longer. But I'm very honest with myself about if I capable of having a productive conversation based off of how I feel. And if I'm not then then I have to wait. I have yeah. to wait it out a little bit longer.
1: That's the best thing because that's how you can self-regulate
0: so yeah got to. Dear typical, typical
1: social worker. So, full transparency, we were not always the social workers we are now years ago. Everyone has to start from somewhere, and again, like this segment is never meant to tear people down. It's meant to bring awareness to areas where we all can self-reflect and improve, and so just to be fully transparent with that, this week's Dear Typical Social Worker is me so to give a quick sort of scenario i was a new supervisor i was also a new graduate of my msw program i really thought that i had made it and i was like this is what it's supposed to be new job new degree who this." so anywho i was working in the um opwdd field so that's the office for people with developmental disabilities if you live in new york state And as a site supervisor, unfortunately, uh, the site I was supervising went through a period of time where there was a pretty egregious incident that resulted in several people getting put out on leave. So I had a staff of 20, and I think by the end of that week, I was down to like four staff. So in that type of role, you can't just leave the house unstaffed. Right. So as the supervisor, it's your responsibility to either find somebody to come in or come in yourself. It got to a point where I literally some days was working like 24 hours and probably going home for like two hours and coming back and, you know, staying for another X amount of hours and going home. It definitely was not legal in terms of labor laws, but I think because I was salaried, it didn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. I always felt like my supervisor could have and should have stepped in, but just didn't. Like he never felt obligated to do that. But so where the difficulty comes from in this situation is after about two weeks of doing this constant like working around the clock thing, I was finally having a day off, finally trying to catch up on some rest, finally just trying to feel like a human being again and I received a call. I did not answer the call. It then became a text message, and of course it was, somebody called off, we need you to come in. I should have picked up the phone, called that person back, and absolutely told them I am on my way. However, in that moment, I definitely took the selfish route. I knew that I was burned out, I knew that I didn't feel comfortable going back to work feeling burnt out because the site that I supervised was also highly behavioral. So I didn't want a situation where I was putting my degree and everything I had worked for in jeopardy because I was mentally and emotionally burnt out. And if I would have had to engage in a crisis situation, I personally don't think that I would have did to the best of my ability. So long story short, I didn't answer the phone, I received multiple calls that whole entire night and I just literally put my phone on silent so I know I handled that situation very incorrectly. You should never, especially in a supervisory capacity, abandon those responsibilities. If the person wouldn't have texted me, I wouldn't have known what the situation is about so they could have been experiencing a crisis or an emergency. And because I chose to kind of self-preserve in that moment, you know, I wasn't necessarily there as a resource in the way that I should have been. So again, we all don't start from knowing everything all the time. We definitely are going to make mistakes along the way. But it's important to just make those mistakes and then learn from them so that you don't continuously make those mistakes.
0: Yeah, I can't really think of like a specific mistake that I made that I can speak of without like violating a confidentiality law mm-hmm. or like a court, you know, court proceeding. Um but I definitely think it's important to acknowledge when we make mistakes working. I want to give an example that's literally not social work. That's so nice. my first job I ever had, I worked at a dip and dot stand in a Boulevard Mall um in Amherst if you're from this area and the first 2 days of my job i was being trained so if you ever saw like the kiosks it's typically one person so for my first 2 days it was me and the guy that was training me and it was just so easy we were like i was testing all the dipping dots doing my homework we were listening to music it was so chill so then when it was time for me to like work on my own um the first couple of hours of my shift were pretty light. It was, like, a weeknight at the Boulevard Mall. If you're from here, then you know...
1: It was dead.
0: It was, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> people don't really go to the Boulevard Mall unless you literally have to go to, like, one specific store and you don't even plan on walking through the mall. But all of a sudden, there was, like, this wave of people. And I got this line of people. I didn't know we are all trying to get my Dippin' Dots. <laughs> so... They're, like, mixing it up, like, oh, I want half birthday cake, half cookies and cream. And I'm, like, this was not covered in my training. So I'm, like, trying to figure out, you know, how to do everything. And someone paid, and I I, I will never forget, a small dip in dots was $3, right? So someone gave me a $10 bill. So I should have gave them $7 back. But for some reason, I thought that $10 bill was a $20 bill. So I gave them $17 back so they actually came up but it was the come up off of me because I I wasn't paying attention and I I don't even know um when this happened um yeah I just I don't know so after I realized what I did because I was counting the trade and I'm like why am I short like why am I I'm shorter I should have like 14 dollars more than I have um And I was like, so I looked in the tray and I saw a $10 bill in the stack of 20s. And Mm. I'm like, oh my God, I I did not do that on my first day. I gave money away out of the cash register, (laughs) like to a stranger. The person did not say, oh, I only gave you a 10, you know? Um, So I had to call my supervisor and just be like, okay. So I just gave away some of our money, like, you know, um, And I was like, I'm gonna get fired. This is my first job, and I'm Mm. gonna get fired from it because I just made a really stupid mistake. Um, And luckily, when I told them, they were like, "Okay, like we'll fix it." And I was like, "You can take it out of my paycheck, you know? Like I, I want to fix it." And they didn't end up doing that. They just kind of chalked it up to the game. It was like, you know, we just, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Um, But I think sometimes we just need to look at it like you know, I made a mistake. I messed up. I, like, we can't beat ourselves down every time we make a mistake. Uh, we don't know everything. Nobody expects you to know everything. Um, the job I have now, I was at a at a voter registration um, event with one of my coworkers, and he's like, yeah, we don't expect you to really know what you're doing for, like, a year. Yeah. So it's like, I'm in a director role. Like, I have a lot of responsibilities, and they still don't expect for me To have it all together for a year Mm -hmm. so imagine how many times i'm about to mess up in the next year like so many there's going to be so many times where i'm going to feel like i dropped a ball or i should have handled that differently but it's okay it's okay um in social work sometimes there's a lot riding on the decisions that we make and there's a lot riding on the way we decide to approach the work that we do and that's important to remember because every little mistake is not just a little mistake.
1: Absolutely. And I just, ownership is everything because it speaks to your integrity as a professional. You are definitely going to make a mistake yeah. at some point in time. You're probably going to make more than one mistake. And it's okay. And I guess what sometimes makes it difficult in social work is that, just like Jill said, with what we do professionally, sometimes making a mistake. definitely have a lasting detrimental impact on the client on the organization that you work for and things like that so you shouldn't be careless in what you do but absolutely the moment that you recognize that you have made a mistake it's important to like own that mistake and find out how you can rectify it if you're not sure how to rectify it talk to a supervisor talk to a colleague you know kind of brainstorm obviously keep things confidential that have to be confidential but use your resources so that you can try and mend the situation as best as you can yeah. um, I can even think of a recent example with my current job where I was actually just telling Jill this today before we started recording I had to relay some unpopular information because um, I work on a college campus and with everything going on with COVID-19, campus is gonna look different in the fall. And so right now, one of my current responsibilities is doing um, orientation sessions. And some of those sessions are with parents. Now parents are amazing, but very excited, even more so than their child, um, for school getting back into session and for um, you know seeing their kid off to college. And I had to tell a parent the other day, um, who is from New York City, that they would not be allowed to move their child on campus. And I said that because that was the last bit of information I had heard prior to that call. And it definitely spiraled. And they definitely, all the parents on the call, definitely expressed their disdain with what I said. It was very uncomfortable. Um, But I tried very hard to maintain my professionalism and stuff like that. And wouldn't you have it, as soon as that call was over, I received an update that said, surprise, one parent will be able to move their student onto campus. And so immediately I was like mortified because I'm like, so we just had this whole back and forth rebuttal and basically it's going to look like I was just making stuff up because now the information has changed. And I could have just said, you know what, the call is over, whatever, I'm gonna move on with my day. But instead, the next morning I got up about seven o'clock in the morning, I found the list of registrants and I sent them a good morning email with the updated information. And I felt like it was the right thing to do because I knew that that was difficult information for those parents to consume. And I also didn't want a situation where, again, they called a different department or talked to my colleagues mm-hmm. and they're like, where did you hear this information from? That's that's not accurate. So I had to take ownership over misspeaking or speaking out of turn, even though that was the information that I, I knew of going into the call. Once it changed, I had the responsibility to also shift the focus of the information as well. So taking ownership is definitely everything.
0: Yes. Take ownership... Approach your problems, expect to make mistakes, you're not perfect, um, but learn from those mistakes and then don't make the same mistake again. <laughs> that's where we draw the line. Right. Like, don't make the same mistake. Don't do it twice. twice. You yeah, get one time. One. That's it. <laughs> Working
1: Wow. black. be black. So, I am black. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't know. So, this segment, I want to talk about being the angry black woman or being casted as the angry black woman at work. Okay. So, I feel like for the most part, I'm a pretty optimistic person. I try to make people feel accommodated around me and I I think it has more so just to do with my natural personality versus anything else Mm -hmm. but I have realized or become more aware I guess of the fact of my desire to appear more accommodating in certain situations for fear of being casted as like an angry black woman Mm -hmm. especially during times of like difficult conversations or if I'm going into a business meeting and I have to communicate unpopular information I find myself really trying to think of ways to make myself more aesthetically Yeah, like and it's, it's super frustrating honestly because I, sh- I shouldn't have to switch up I shouldn't have to stress so much about what it is that I'm about to say when I know a white man can walk into a business meeting and literally tell everyone that they're getting fired and no one would necessarily blink twice to say that it was a character flaw on his part.
0: Yeah. I guess for me, um I can be very direct. Like, very direct. And it's not because I'm rude or anything. But it's just because, like, why beat around the bush? Like, let's just say what we got to say and we can move on with our day. Um, that rhymed. Hashtag Jillian the poet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I and I'm also a very passionate person. Like I am very passionate about what I do because I've been in the situation where I needed help so many times, and I don't take it lightly at all. Not even I don't play with it. Um, so I know that that passion mixed with that straightforward attitude Mm -hmm. can make me seem like I have an attitude problem um and it used to really bother me because I'm like I can't be the only black girl and be the girl that everybody thinks is mad and then one day I was talking to one of my friends about it and she was like well do they ask you if you're mad (laughs) I was like no and then I was like you know what? If they really cared about if I was upset or why I was upset, they would say something. They would ask me. That's true. They ask me everything else. They ask me if they can touch my hair. Right. They ask me, you know, if I can get sunburn. They ask me all of them stupid questions. <laughs> so you can ask me if I'm mad. You can ask me what the problem is. And if I don't say there's an issue, there is not an issue. Um, So I kind of have been getting away from that. And then I'm just feeling real bold, like bold in my blackness lately um maybe the past year or so Mm -hmm. i just feel so comfortable in it that it just doesn't even matter i don't even care if you think i'm angry guess what i am angry and i got a lot to be angry about in this world and you're not angry so what's wrong with you like what's your problem because if you understand what's happening around us you would be angry too um and I just I don't know I, I refuse to accept the label of the angry black woman. Oh, I and agree. I, I agree. So with other that. people may put it on me, or may label me as that, but I'm not I'm not accepting that. I'm not drinking the Kool Aid. <laughs> I mean I think
1: even just from the standpoint of being a woman.
0: Yeah. A man can
1: walk into a meeting and be considered passionate about an issue. Mm-hmm. A woman is seen as being emotional, emotional about yeah. an issue, right? So just even the dynamic of the the language that we use to describe probably identical situations. Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the standpoint of just male female, and then you have black female, we're just seen as just like irrational when it comes to things that we're passionate yeah. about and It's one of those things where it's just like, you can... I've literally walked into meetings sometimes with facts, information, excerpts from things. Because I. that's just me. I like to research. I like to know what it is that I'm talking about. And I've literally watched a white male counterpart have a whole entire meltdown in a meeting.
0: Yeah. Yet, people are looking at me
1: and saying like, one, look what you made him do. Mm -hmm. And then two uh we we just we think you might be too attached to the situation i didn't just throw a whole hissy fit in front of a whole entire room full of people but and, and it's sad because at the same time i've seen close colleagues of mine in former settings resign from positions that they had that they were effective in but because they were tired of trying to advocate for what they felt was good yeah and being casted or seen as this like negative entity like it gets draining Mm -hmm. to always be cast as the villain and i just black women are here to stay number one Mm -hmm. we are the fastest growing rate of advanced degree students in this country so we're not going anywhere we're going to be in your boardrooms we're going to be in your classrooms we're going to be On your hiring committees we're going to be on your firing committees so number one get used to that we're here
0: yeah
1: and then second of all get to know us for who we are as people and as professionals and then respect us as that professional the same way that you would anybody else and then that's when we can start to work and move past this whole angry black woman label I think
0: yeah and I think like if you're a black woman and you're listening to this like don't let anybody gaslight you don't let anybody try to force you to own an emotion that you don't own. Right. If they think you're angry, don't lose sleep over that. People think a lot of things about a lot of people. And their thoughts about you aren't going to pay your bills. And their thoughts about you aren't going to get you evicted. So, at the end of the day, I think, remember why you're there. Remember who you're working for. Um, try what you do, what you can do to cultivate positive relationships, but do not take responsibility for other people's refusal to see you as who you are. Because some people will always see you as a stereotype because they have the power to. Right. Um, And I've spent the last six years studying power and control in relationships. And uh, I, I I won't let anybody gaslight like me. So you ever like, you're, you're talking to somebody's like, why are you so angry? And you're like, I'm not angry. And like, you're getting mad because, mm-hmm. like, they're trying to convince you that you're angry and you know you're not angry. you letting them gaslight you. Don't let nobody... Don't give people that power over you.
1: Please don't give away your power. People
0: don't... No, people don't deserve that. People. That's one of... That's one of the your prized possessions is that power. So understand what people are trying to do to you mentally. Understand the way... People are trying to deflate you when they reduce all all that you are in all of your magical <laughs> unicorn Melanine, <everything>. glitter, <laughs> <laughs> and they're trying to reduce you now to being emotional or being angry because you show because you show passion because you show that you care. But guess what? That same passion and that drive, that fire in you, could be what stands in the way between your client having somewhere to sleep at night or feeling like somebody cares about them. Mm-hmm. Um, your students dropping in school dropping out of school or staying in school. Like, that is something that people will be drawn to, that passion and that fire. So don't let anybody extinguish that. Don't let them reduce you down to angry. They're mad. Mm-hmm. They mad because they not you. They mad you know what Beyonce said. You know said. what she's
1: talking about. And, I mean, also, too, just, like, in the sense of trust and believe, that thing that they said that you were mad about, when it turns out to be a positive thing, when there's positive accolades (laughs) attached to it. Oh, they'll take credit. Oh, trust and believe. It's
0: like, oh, we told this person to do this. They want to be in the photo op. All of a sudden, they trained you. They (laughs) gave you direction. They were your inspiration. Like, (laughs) no. Don't let people do, do that to you. There is no such thing as the angry black woman as a like a category of people. Right. It does not exist. We don't own that, and we don't have to own that. We don't have to let that term keep being normalized in our culture. Right.
1: And if you are angry, own your anger. It's yours to have. Everyone goes through periods of frustration right. and anger, so don't even allow that to be a situation where now you're repressing feelings that you truly have because you're afraid that somebody's going to put you in a box with yeah. those feelings.
0: Like I said, you, if you are angry, you probably got a good reason. We all should be angry. Like, take a look. Turn on the news. Any news station. Any. Anyone. And if you don't get angry at that, then uh, email us. And we like to unpack the fact that you are not able to Please to really acknowledge it your emotions. That you have, because I need
1: some of that, too. <laughs>
0: So that was episode six. Episode six. If you do not follow us, please go follow us on Instagram at atypical underscore social, underscore worker, underscore podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Go follow us. um, Inbox us if you have questions. Inbox us if you know of a social worker who is dynamic, who's amazing. Even if it's you, let us know. We want to know Um, We want to honor and edify other amazing social workers. Absolutely. So let us know. And thank you for listening. And just a quick shout out uh,
1: to Marley from the Shut Up or Talk Up podcast. Yes. Uh, We had a fun little cameo today. So we'll be posting that for all of you guys at some point. But... We appreciate the love and we wish you all the best on your podcast as well.
0: Yeah, so please go listen to that podcast because it's amazing. And um, yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Or see we'll ya. talk to you next week. We will. We'll talk. <laughs> Let's talk. Bye.